0: Hello and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we play The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of The Murder Game as Jason and I follow the journey of 10 investigators as they try to catch a killer in the fictional town of Blackwater. Each episode of the murder game is available on YouTube. So if you haven't already, go and watch episode two now. In this episode, we meet Chief Bob Taylor and play the killer's game for the first time. Episode two. We're coming off the back of what was a disappointing first episode, where we watched the investigators learn the tricks of the trade, including combat, forensics, and interrogation. I don't know about you, but whilst it was an awful watch, I still had high hopes for episode two. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. as in the last few minutes of that first episode where the bus is leaving the voiceover says little do they know that a murder game is about to begin and I thought yes it's going to go straight into what Murder in Small Town X was I mean
1: I think we've discussed this before and I know I, I just repeat myself all the time when I say Murder in Small Town X was massively ahead of its time but Murder in Small Town X was early 2001 and although there is bits that Show that it's early 2001. The concept, the script, the story, it's not. You know what I, it's, I mean? It's, it's, it's timeless almost. It's, it is timeless. Mm. Where this,
0: although this is later, it feels even earlier. At the very start, there's a much better opening. The credits have changed significantly. It starts well because you start seeing the investigators and there's a bit more of a theme tune. But immediately, it starts off on the wrong foot by breaking the wall. As in, the voiceover artist introduces it as a murder mystery game and the fact that it's a fictional murder case. And straight away, as the audience, you're like, well, I'm not part of the killer's game anymore. I'm watching these people play a game. And that was no. never the case. in. Yeah. Although Murder in Small was exactly the same thing, exactly the same premise, not once did you feel like you were on a game show or that you were watching a game show. You were watching a murder mystery where there was a prize at stake. And this breaks it immediately by that voiceover. Firstly, having a voiceover altogether, does away with it. But secondly, how many times do they mention?
2: Now they'll attempt to solve a fictional murder case in which actors play the suspects.
1: This is it. I think I don't want to keep referring to murder in Small town X, but with that we saw the investigators, we already saw the murder. The murder was going to happen in Sunrise anyway, and the investigators were in there to solve it. And we we were along for the ride, as a viewer, we are along for the ride. Where having a narrator it is like them just telling a story and it is more of a game show. And...
0: and we'll speak more about the narrator as we go on because there are a number of occasions where, well, it's not, it's not required at all. It, it completely dumbs down the audience, completely. It spoon-feeds you every bit of information.
2: It has been made as realistic as possible.
0: been an, been an
2: But everyone they'll meet is an actor. Everything is make-believe.
0: From what we saw in the opening five minutes of this episode, we didn't need the first episode at all, so they showed us so much of the training that they went through. We're reminded of who the contestants are. We learned everything from that first episode again in that second episode,
1: yeah, well yeah, they cut in the same interviews
0: the same interviews from the from the contestants, and they showed us all the training clips we didn't need to see how to do an investigation. that's not the point of the
1: no and we and we've said before that they could have done some sort of semi like a montage of it or just refer to the fact that they have had this training and show some clips but because i'm now fully expecting them to to have a confrontational sort of altercation with someone
0: yeah it's almost spoils what's to come
1: yeah you know there's gonna be fingerprints to come up
0: but also there are times where they've taken it that seriously and they've said that it's got to be that serious when it comes to bagging evidence and yet there are some corners that are going to be cut well again we'll mention it in a bit because there are some things which i call out and say Look, if you're taking it as seriously as you do, then you can't do certain things.
1: One hundred percent. We'll mention this later on. There's points in it that they they're so scared of the altercations, what will happen if they don't do it correctly, mm. that they're not expressing themselves fully.
0: No, they're on they're they're on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. What was good in that opening five minutes was that we were reminded about Richard Sharrocks living with his budgie, which is, you know- And Julie, Julius wife. And his wife, Julie, their horses and dogs.
1: My name's Richard Sharrocks, I'm 32, I'm a
0: commercial pilot and I'm married to Julie. We live in Northumberland with our budgie, our two dogs and our two horses. At this point, mate, we meet Bob Taylor. Now, before we go into Bob Taylor, credit where it's due, he helped catch the Yorkshire Ripper. Everything else about Bob Taylor, what the fuck?
2: I'm Bob Taylor. As a senior detective with West Yorkshire Police, I've hunted some of the most notorious serial killers in British criminal history, including the Yorkshire Ripper.
1: And, yeah, I don't want to badmouth him, because, obviously, he was part of the team that caught the Yorkshire Ripper. But I feel, from maybe non- no fault from his own, is that the way it's portrayed is like the Bob Taylor show, mm. and the investigators are along for the ride. I think we said this about uh, Gary Fredo was there to sort of advise and... Put the the murder X investigators down certain certain tracks where this seems to be like a sort of what we've seen more of a dictatorship. And a, I, I, th- I
0: think you're right. Is that Gary Fredo is an extension of the team?
1: Yes, that's it exactly that because he doesn't know. Fredo didn't know who the killer was, and he knew where they had to get the investigators to, but didn't know the outcome. Now the Bob and you, you find out later on in the in the in the show, obviously he's grading them on their investigator skills. Which you know, the pass and fell thing, and it shouldn't. it shouldn't be like that. You know, he's he's not even a mentor, he's examiner, if anything.
0: An examiner, but also rules with quite an iron fist. He's quite yes. harsh.
1: Yeah, there is a question. Does it, does he know how this is playing out?
0: I don't think he would.
1: But then I think with his personality, I honestly think he probably knows. I don't know, it just seems seems such a shit show compared to Murderette.
0: The way he portrays himself is almost to say, You dumb fucks haven't caught the killer yet. Yeah, I know who it is already because yeah, the producer's told you. That's why. No, you're right. We see a hell of a lot of clips that we've already seen in episode one. I'm certain that you could actually cut this episode down to 20 minutes if you took out all the crap. In fact, if we took out all of the voiceovers and all of that stuff that we've seen in episode one, it would probably make for a really good show. So this episode opens with the, the group of 10 investigators on their way from the training centre to HQ. They stop outside a church... And again, what is referred to as the fictional village of Blackwater. So for the second time in five minutes, we've been reminded that it's all fictional, as if we're watching thinking, oh, my God, why aren't they doing anything? (laughs) They all discuss on the bus whether or not they should go into the church and get off the bus. And Sarita, fair play to her, uses her instinct and just gets up. She's the first person to sort of stand up and get up off the bus. There are then 10 of them just question and locals and it's an absolute mess isn't it it's awful when they get off that bus outside the church but this, this
1: is it and w- well, i think we said it in the in the first episode with um when they're training to do the forensic side of it or whatever too many cooks straight away and it's and I, it, they, they are set up to fell they're off the bus and it's a absolute it's carnage live, living around
0: here locally Thanks how long does the ambulance been, Andy's been Andy's, church um, um, okay. Do you actually
2: know what's happened here? Not
0: at the moment, no.
2: What
1: this situation really needs is a leader. There's, so there's 10 of them off the bus straight away with no sort of direction at all. Obviously, and, uh, yeah, like we, we, we do take the piss out of Richard a bit. But like he tries to take command of that, (laughs) rightly or wrongly, he does. I mean, and no one—I didn't look like no one actually was going to try and do anything.
0: But as soon as the uh, the the voiceover guy suggests that there's no team leader been appointed, you immediately know where it's going, don't you? That's teed right up for Richard Sharrock's.
1: Yeah, and they don't command the scene very well but i don't know I just, yeah they are just sat fell there's 10 people off the bus that haven't a clue what's going on so they're all trying to get involved they all sort of know their training and know they should be doing it but don't really know how to do it
0: they also don't really know whether or not that's part of the production or not the no. bus is stopped outside a church and they're looking at each other as to the say then
1: what, what happens with one of the actors he tries to run back into the church do you mean they don't make it easy? They don't make it easy for them. But and this, this is what annoys me. And I don't know. If it, it might be the way of portrayed, or it just might just be the way I'm seeing it. But it was an absolute fuck up. So that Bob could come in and save the day.
0: 100. You're right. It, it was very much played out. Is to right. We're not going to answer many questions. We're going to leg
1: it away. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to leg it away, and they're they're proper legging it. Isn't there some force there as well, isn't there? It wasn't like,
0: oh, stop here. It was like proper like holding them back. So at one point, they're trying to hold back Tina, who we find out later is, is a suspect. And she shouts, don't grab me! Can you not Please. grab me? Oh, don't grab me! Right. just... just... She gives them the name of Dean Garrity, who turns out to be the best man who was setting up the video to film the wedding.
1: We don't know how many suspects are at all at this point.
0: No, we don't for ages either. So Richard's losing his shit. He's getting really, really pissed off with people. And eventually, (laughs) Chief Bob Taylor comes in.
1: Saves the day,
2: Bob. Time to call in the cavalry. It's the Chief, Bob Taylor,
1: to the rescue.
2: Who's in charge here? Who's in charge?
0: Isn't there like a like a little video of him walking down a pathway or something? As though to introduce him, he's walking like the Undertaker walks into the wrestling room or yeah. something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like John Cena dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Granted, we said before, like, you know, kudos the fact that he was on the team that caught the Yorkshire Ripper. And I think as a detective, you sort of do need to be a bit of a narcissist and have a bit of an ego about you. But I think you can also understand that this is a game show.
0: When Chief Bob Taylor arrives, he splits them into three teams. One team stays at the church. Nick, Sam and Christine make up that team and the others head back to HQ. As I say, a woman got taken in an ambulance. We don't learn much about her until later on and we'll talk about that in a bit. But obviously she's the first or maybe only victim to the killer. We we need to find that out. Chief Bob is really rude to them when they get back to HQ. Thinks shouting is the best way to get things done. And then number of times he's just going,
1: come on. Yeah, it's like that. They don't know what
0: they're doing. We find out that the victim is Catherine Pryor. She's a single mum whose sister was due to get married later that day. They determine with Chief Bob that the father of the victim needs to be spoken to, as does Dean, the best man. They have therefore created another two teams. One consisting of Mervin, Andrew and Mel, who go to speak to the next of kin, and the other, Meryl, Sarita and Rory, who need to catch up with Dean Garrity. Before teams two and three go out, Chief Bob tells them that he doesn't want them to make him look like a mug. And I thought, well, you do that yourself anyway, mate. <laughs>
2: I have a 100% record in serious crime investigation. And I don't want you lot making me look like a mug. Do you understand?
0: So in a similar way to how we did Murder in Small Town X, we've now got our three tracks and that's how we'll break up the episode. So I've got track one at the church, Nick, Christine and Sam. At the church, they search for clues in their hazmat suits. Very different to Murder in Small Town X again. They bag evidence, they dust for prints, and they take blood samples. They hear a banging on the church doors and we see some sort of grainy footage, which I'm thinking, yes, this is it. Now we're getting into it. You know, you've you've got the uh, killer's footage outside. Once they answer the door, there is a noose with some photos on it. We're told by the voiceover how the game works. Rubbish. So the voiceover tells us.
2: At the end of each programme, two investigators who haven't come up to scratch will travel to separate locations. One will find a clue that brings them closer to the killer. The other will be eliminated from the game.
0: No, you should. this should be all down to that video. It should all be down to the killer telling us that they're playing a game and not the voiceover person telling us about the game. We find out that there are only nine suspects in this series. Later at the church, they hear a mobile phone ringing. They don't know if they should answer it or not. Richard says, answer the phone through the bag, and this will come back to bite them in the ass later on. Richard says, answer the phone through the bag. So track two is speaking to the next of kin. Mel, Andrew and Mervyn have been given this task. We see a small clip of footage recorded prior to the investigators arriving. The narrative is that they are getting ready for the wedding. Then they do an awful cut of introducing Frank as a suspect, with like a blue crime splash screen. So it frees frames, so they, they... you've got frank talking to his daughter goldie who's the victim's well father and sister and just as they finish talking it zooms into frank's face and it puts a blue background around him and it says suspect frank and you're like oh come on it's just yeah. awful they do the same with goldie the victim's sister saying that she's the one due to get married on the way to meet the father and sister the team are called by richard
2: just had a phone call from the chief yeah, yeah huh? Catherine Pryor died on her way to the hospital. Catherine Pryor died on her way to the hospital.
0: Now they need to break this awful news to the family. But a child enters the room as they go to do so. And it turns out that child is Catherine's kid. And fair play, like, it is a really good scene. I I think this is what I wanted the show to be. And I didn't want it to be, oh, just dust the (laughs) fingerprints and all that nonsense. This is actually a really good scene where they have to make a decision. And it must have been horrible as well, even though they're only actors. It it must have been really awful.
1: Like you say, it was a great scene. And if anything, a a positive thing over murder in Small Time X, I think. Yeah. Because in Small Time X, although they did have the more sensitive conversations with the suspects, a lot of it was just quite to the point. But this had to be sort of managed very carefully.
0: Without a doubt, when they met Lambert in the strip club, they didn't really care about what they told him or didn't. No. Whereas in this, they had to be really quite... Yeah, Several. but what
1: what really annoyed me was we knew that was gonna happen before they even stepped into that house because the narrator had told us.
2: And they're about to face their first hidden test. They must break the news,
1: but before they can do so, a child will enter the room. That shouldn't have been it. Like that, that what should have happened was they should have sat down the kids should have come in and then seen how they cope. They might have not, mate. They might have just said it straight away. They might have, you know. I mean, I, I think it was Melanie that said about the death.
0: So I've got Mel kicks ass here. Mervin is yeah. so weak. Mervin's like Catherine died basically. Genuine, his words. All, all we know is she died basically. Catherine Pryor this afternoon um, died basically.
1: Exactly. I think so. She Mel does really well here. Mm. But it'd be good as a, as a as the audience member to see that, so, like, because you wouldn't recognise that straight away. Yeah. You know they're there to give bad news, and then the kid walks in. Is Mel still going to say it? We knew that was going to be the situation, and I because think that takes the shock away. Yeah, it takes the shock away from it.
0: But the narrator does that throughout the entire show. Throughout the show, there's not yeah. the one bit yeah. that you're surprised by.
1: No, because so- it's all an anti-climax because you know it's coming.
0: From her injuries, she did die on her way to Chanceford oh, she- A and E this morning. I'm sorry so yeah Mel delivers the news they have to find out where Frank was Frank says he was on his way to get a paper and then went to get some petrol this becomes important later on when we go over this track Goldie has been home all morning with Anya Anya is Catherine's daughter I think the actors who are playing both Goldie and Frank pretty good at this point no issues or complaints with their acting I just think they deserve more airtime and have less of the show taken up by splash screens and nonsense and also, the Chief Bob show.
1: Yeah, and I think and it's easier to do in Murder X. I, I hate referring back to it, but in Murder X, the characters were comically, not comically created, but the fact that like, you had Thibodeau, he's the ferryman.
0: Yeah, they were almost caricatures. Yes,
1: exactly, caricatures. You had Connor, like, she worked at the garage. You had you had all these roles, and I know they say, like, well, Frank's, the, Frank's the dad. I want to see, like, them go to his place so I can, uh, you know, yeah. I know right? Frank does this. Like, right, Frank's in the allotment. Do you
0: remember Frank's job?
1: No, I don't because I don't see him at his job. What is his job? Frank's a milkman. I want to see him on his round then, or coming in, or something. Do you know what I mean? Or well, this
0: is this is the point. So Frank, we'll get to it. I'm not going to talk about it now. Yeah, but but can you see what I'm saying? Like they, they, I don't. They, they, they need to have that milkman needs to be a milkman clothes. The fact that when we spoke to Pat, he said that he dressed as Thibodeau and he kept the same clothes on for days and he stank like fish because he was a fisherman and a ferryman. You're like brilliant. That's what you should be doing. He
1: lived it. He lived it. Yeah. We
0: only ever saw X-ray in a yellow cab. That was it. We didn't. Oh, it's still in a few times outside but by that point you'd established he is the cabbie yeah nothing makes him stand out so track three go and interview dean the best man so we've got sarita Merrill, and rory doing this they go to interview dean garrity at the car dealership Merrill asks rory not to chew gum if they need to interview a witness so <laughs> meryl takes sort of takes lead of this little track and and asks him not to chew gum Dean confirms, when they get to the car dealership, Dean confirms that he saw Catherine at the church playing the piano. He was setting up the camera and the battery ran out. Sarita says... Battery for... The camera. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I picked that up. But then this is this is amazing as well. So Merrill wants to keep Dean talking rather than letting him go and get the video. They interview him a bit more. And at the end, Rory says, well, should we get the tape? To which Sarita says...
2: Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Could we take the video? Camera, yeah, <laughs> Does she know what a video camera is at this point? Anyway, they go and get the camera, and lo and behold, it's missing. And they blame Merrill for this. Rubbish. That was never there. It wasn't as though they carried on talking and someone snuck in and got the videotape. That videotape was never ever there. So whether or not they talked to him for two minutes or twenty-two minutes it was always the case that he'd left that there early in the day and it was now gone voiceover
2: tells us dean has noticed his camera is missing the office is now a potential crime scene will the investigators realize this remember their police training and take
1: the appropriate action
0: don't tell us that mate just let chief bob tell us that later you don't need to tell us wait until we're back with chief bob
1: yeah and i think if you establish that with the audience early on we should be saying, or oh, they're not setting up a crime scene.
0: We don't we don't pick it up in the first instance, but the next time we see Chief Bob and he's like, right, you guys, you did great, but there was a crime scene, and we'd have like, fucking hell yeah, we'd they should like, have set up a crime scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, instead, I'll, we're not- expecting Bob to bollock them now because they didn't set up a crime scene because the voiceover guy told us. It's time for me to pack my bags. In fact, it's just... Sarita, to be So Sarita... She says she's ready to pack her bags.
1: I think it's because it's too structured, like we said. It's, there's no there's no expressive... No. It's not expressive enough. That's
0: and I think that they're, they're, they're
1: pushing them to be sort of like, well, this is what it's like to be a detective. This is what it's like to be an investigator. Yeah. Well, it's not fun. Like, that's what I'm not signed up to. It. I'm signed up to a game show where I want to be expressive. I want to be in this situation, you know?
2: Team One returned to HQ with the evidence they bagged at the church. It's the first chance for all three teams to get together and discuss the case.
0: Before getting back into the three lines of inquiry, the group all get together on the first night back at HQ and discuss evidence. Richard Sharrick's at dinner tells us that Frank has a criminal record of ABH and thieving and that the mobile phone had Catherine's fingerprints on. They're arguing for a long time over whether or not the stairs had carpet and that it was Richard having to calm them down and Sarita had forgotten what she was talking about after that. What a nonsense. Yes. Yep. We see once again the green and grainy footage as a brick gets through the window of the conservatory and Merrill breaks the illusion here by saying... This is this part of the case or is something gone wrong? Is this part of the case or is something gone wrong? As though to suggest that the, the set was falling apart. They then seem to spend what seems like forever to determine what they ought to do. Is this a crime scene? And... Oh
1: God. Rich Rich tells people to go outside,
0: don't they? You gotta go outside running, right? and see if you find the killer. Yeah, as if you're gonna find the killer on day one, mate. So anyway, they have a little bit of an argument over boys versus girls. Why couldn't a girl do it and all this sort of thing? It just bothers me that every little thing, oh, this is a crime scene now. Anyway, that, that really wound me up.
1: But this is this is the mentality they've been sort of brainwashed into though.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? No, it is. It's not their fault. That's, that's what they've been told to do. It just it's, it's crap. The next morning, Chief Bob gives a morning briefing. He says, these messages are from the killer. As in the nooses are messages from the killer. We briefly see the nine suspects who include Goldie, Frank and Dean. But we also see Tina Wells, the person that was interviewed outside the ambulance earlier in the episode. So she know, we know that she's one too. Chief Bob tells them of the 25 grand reward for catching the killer. Still not enough money, if you ask me. And yeah. Bob wants a recap on yesterday's events. So Nick, budget David Bowie, lies about answering the phone. And I've put uh oh. <laughs> Rich
1: Richard sort of told him for that though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Mal gives Chief Bob the lowdown on the whereabouts of the family. Mervyn is next to useless here and says that they didn't get that information. He said, where was the dad then? What time did he go and get petrol? And Mervyn's like, we didn't get that. And Mel corrects him and says, yeah, we did. But we we asked him, but we didn't get that information. They didn't find out where and when Frank got petrol. So he has no alibi at the moment. Sarita gives an update on the interview with Dean. Chief Bob is extremely unhappy that the missing camera wasn't managed as a crime scene.
2: And if the killer stole it, what might that be? Mervin's crime scene. A crime scene. So
0: a they get given their tasks for the next day. So Team 1, Nick, Christine and Sam are told that the post-mortem is underway and that they need to go and see the pathologist at the morgue and retrieve Catherine's clothes and belongings. Team 2, Mel, Mervyn and Andrew are told to go and get more information from Frank to establish his whereabouts. And Team 3, Sarita, Ruri and Merrill are told to follow up with Dean to retrieve the videotape so on track one we've got nick sam and christine heading to the mortuary weirdly at 6 p.m so what if they actually done all day because that morning briefing with bob was early and then they don't go to the morgue until 6 p.m yeah important or not we hear the mortician or pathologist saying Catherine wore contact lenses don't know if that means anything or not there are four wounds in the victim triangular in shape and one went through the jugular vein, which is how she bled out and died. In the list of items that were found, there were just clothes. There was no jewellery found. As they go to leave, Goldie turns up shouting. Nick calms it down, and Goldie said she wants to see her body and just wants the necklace to hold on to. It was something borrowed for the wedding, she told them. This will clearly prove important later on. Jay Wilmington... The groom arrives to take Goldie home. They tried to quiz the investigators who actually do well in this scene to to not give anything away. I would have actually have loved to see Rory in this situation because I reckon he'd have just given up loads of information. You know, they so, so they they say, Oh, what, what can you tell us? Have you got a killer yet? Have you if you got any suspects? I think Rory would have gone, Yeah, yeah, they got loads.
1: <laughs> yeah, and <I> named them.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're your one. Jay drops in, I've not got changed in 24 hours. So what's he been up to? And maybe that'll prove important later in the series. No, I just want to go home. I want to change my clothes. I haven't for 24 hours. You know, it's quite stressful, so let's another let's make a yeah. Track two, Mel, Mervyn and Andrew go back to f- question Frank on the allotment. Frank's story changes when they get to his allotment. Hilariously, he was working until 9am of the morning of his daughter's wedding. Now, I know he's a milkman, and obviously milk still needs to be delivered, but on the morning of your daughter's wedding...
1: I'm sure you can get that title. <laughs> surely off. you'd get cover. <laughs> Especially how big is this place, do you know what I mean? Was <laughs> he the only milkman? He milks, just can go he milks just the do, cows as well. Yeah, I was going to say, just don't have the milk. That one day, I think people are, uh, you know... If it's that really smaller it.
0: place that you can't get cover, I think a Sorry, Bob, my
1: wife's getting... Everyone's at the wedding anyway, at this point, if it's a smaller place.
0: Anyway, he conveniently forgets that he had told them about getting petrol. The team called him out on this, and he went out to get petrol from miles away. Now, they know that it's 40 minutes away from his house, so they know that the petrol station that he's described is 40 minutes away. Andrew said well, that's about 35 miles. Mate, it depends no. on the speed, doesn't it? Might only be 20 miles away. Anyway, just made me laugh that bit. The group go to the garage to find out if he was spotted there. They will need to wait to get that CCTV footage sent from the head office of Texaco. Track three, Sarita, Rory and Merrill go to speak with Dean Garrity to see if he's at his house. As they get there, the wedding car comes flying out of the estate. Meryl's getting battered in the back of that Land Rover. <laughs> the chase is fairly exciting, way better than the blood samples and fingerprints and nonsense that this show has to bring. Make the whole show like this, make it more exciting, like car chases and stuff, and I'm all for it. Yeah. They end up going down a dirt track, and they see the camera is thrown out of the car. They hesitate way too much and don't know what to do. Do they Do they follow the driver or do they go for the camera? They hesitate for that long that a tractor eventually pulls out. Now, I know that's all choreographed. Yeah. If they'd have gone down there, that tractor would have come out on them anyway. But that camera's going nowhere. They could have followed the car Regardless, they argued that, over it. Exactly, dally.
1: that's what I thought. I don't know why they just drop one person off. <laughs> jump out,
0: jump out. We'll keep going. Before we go and have a look. We'll keep going. But yeah, instead they just mess around. As they get out, I was convinced that they'd never find that camera, a needle in a haystack. But no, they they do find it. They
1: do have to do some digging, don't they? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Meryl is really nervous about everything. She's on edge all the time. It's just if Dean comes back, if it was Dean. Must why do we know? We don't know Speculation. Oh. yeah. Rory just spits all over the place which is just gross and he also swears a lot and Meryl's not happy that Rory although he's quite good he just swears all the time. Rory says open the camera Sarita says don't open the camera and whilst Bob will give them praise later on for not opening the camera I would argue they should have opened the camera and why should they have opened the camera because what if the tape wasn't in there and I don't know if it's a well, the fact that they mentioned that it, it's a tape, that means there is a tape in there, and it's not a hard drive. Yeah. But imagine not opening it, getting back, and they're like, "Oh, what'd you find?" And you're like, "Camera, open it. No Nothing tape. Where do you think the tape might be? Oh, back under the railway bridge where we were searching for four yeah. hours."
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Later on, the voiceover mentions that they failed to eliminate any suspects yet. We haven't even met all the suspects yet. Let alone yeah. be able to eliminate them. What are you talking about? Chief Bob gives the final brief in that night. So we get to see the footage from the videotape. There's green and grady footage. We've got Catherine playing a piano and then ultimately killed. And then we see the killer speaking. You think this is a game? And show the footage of the investigators too. Meet
1: me in the audience. Meet me in the-
0: And this is really, really ramping up, finally becoming what we wanted the show to be. The killer invites two investigators to go to two locations where one will be eliminated, which sounds all too familiar to us. This is why I absolutely hate this version of the show, because they take everything else so seriously with hazmat suits, with fingerprints, with evidence, with bagging, with forensics, yeah. with everything else. And yet, the chief of police, Bob, is willing to sacrifice one person to the killer every yeah, three the, the days. Yeah, the narrative doesn't line this up. Does doesn't it? work. So why are we taking it so fucking seriously?
1: Yeah, the killer's like, you must come alone. Bob's like, yeah, that's fine. As long as we have got fingerprint and witness statements, then that's fine.
0: So, there's an important piece of information in that video that Christine notices that Catherine was wearing a necklace in the footage, and that's the necklace which has been that Goldie was looking for as well. Undoubtedly, that will be a recurring thing in the series or come back up at least. We've done all the tracks now and we get to the vote, and instead of everybody being up for elimination, Chief Bob lets them know that he will determine whether or not the teams have performed well or failed as a team. Then only those who failed will be up for elimination or up for vote, sorry. The team then all vote for one person out of those that are eligible for the vote. And Richard Sharrocks, being the lead investigator, will get to vote the other person. But he can vote for anyone in the group. They don't have to be up for elimination. So team one get praised for their efforts at the morgue. Richard got called out for telling them to answer the phone. And that wouldn't have been that big a problem. I don't think this team would have failed if they'd have answered the phone, but under the direction of Richard. I think the problem is Nick lying and saying, yeah, I didn't answer it and then Chief Bob watches a video of him answering the phone, which basically means they fail, and Christine, Nick, and Sam are up for the vote. Team two, well done on getting Frank's story, getting the girl to leave the room, and picking up on the fact that Frank's story changed. Mel also did well to deliver the crushing news to the family. They pass and are therefore not up for elimination. Team three, praised for dealing with evidence appropriately and not switching on the camera. However, missing the crime scene on day one was considered a fuck-up, therefore... They also fail and are up for a group vote. Each member of the team, with the exception of Richard, goes up to the voting room. So the group vote is tied and put to a revote. And Sarita comes out as being the first person that is going to play the killer's game. Richard Sharix now has an easy job. Just pick Rory because it's, it was a tie between him and Sarita. Well yep. oh no, Richard Sharrix has a change of heart or, or just simply doesn't want to pick uh, Rory and chooses Christine. What? Yeah.
1: I don't get it. He had the easy way out then. Exactly. Because he's basically, he's basically doing the group vote.
0: Yeah, he's gone, okay, it was it was an even tie. I'm just going to give the other person that got the most votes. But no, he went with Christine, who didn't receive any votes. She didn't get voted by any of the original nine. Anyway, she's extremely pissed off and I'm not surprised. I don't blame her. Sarita is going to Old Oaks and Christine is going to the Power Museum. Christine, unsurprisingly, fuming at Richard Sharrock's. They show quite a few people's films now and Nick says it's simply not fair. Meryl was really annoyed. They travel to their killer game locations. We see their body cam footage and it plays out much like Murder in Small Town X. Christine is eliminated and Sharita returns, which I find extremely unfair because Sharita received three votes and Christine was just given the chop by Richard Sharrocks. I'm annoyed that they play this game despite taking everything so seriously, as we've mentioned. So now do you know what they need to do? To To gain my confidence back in this show being consistent, they now need to go back to where christine was murdered and treat that as a crime scene yeah because they won't i'm sure they won't but if they don't then this is all bollocks it's all bollocks anyway it's all
1: bollocks anyway yeah exactly because she's if been you want to take it
0: seriously then there's another crime scene on your hands go to that yeah make that track one next week hold on we lost christine we now need to go back to where she was killed
1: yeah and see if we can find some footprints or some shit yeah 100 and
0: if they do fair play i'll say yep, yeah, good but if they don't
1: oh i i can't see it happening i'm not <laughs> disappointing you there but it's, that's not happening it's, it's not, i wouldn't say it's crap well it is crap but i think i think i'm just disappointed i'm just really disappointed
0: i wonder whether or not more killings will take place is there a killer on the loose or does someone just want Catherine Pryor dead we know the narrative of murdering small Town x we won't mention it because of spoilers if someone's listening to this for the first time we don't want them listening to season two and then having the don't listen to this <laughs> well, yeah If you are listening to this, get off it straight away and go back and listen to season one because it's much better. So we know at the end of this that Dean, Garrity, the best man, Goldie, the sister and Frank, the dad, are all suspects. What motive would Dean Garrity have? We don't necessarily know. Goldie and Frank, I find it hard to believe that a sister and a father would want to kill their own family. But stranger things Mm -hmm. have happened. We also know that Goldie's fella jay is a suspect and he's the most suspicious for me so far we've only seen him in one scene in the hospital but the fact that he hasn't washed his clothes for 24 hours and he's just a bit shifty my money's on him but equally we know tina wells the person that was interviewed at the start is a suspect as well she lives in the rectory and she was the one that found the body or found the 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 injured catherine and i think the person that she crossed the barrier with the lady that she crossed the barrier with is a suspect but that was only a glimpse of her face on the suspect board so might not be don't even know who she is at the moment so of those that you've met so far who do you think is the killer i know it's far too early but it's just for fun
1: uh i'll go, I'll go with the best man then i'll go back the best man with some sort of love triangle
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna go for goldie the sister uh her fella jay wilmington the one that she was getting the groomsman the, the, the man that was getting yeah. married as for the next person to lead so we know that richard Sharrocks is being replaced and we did find out from the voiceover that, that christine will decide in her last will and testament. I think Christine will choose Nick next. She was in a team with Nick, so she probably trusts him. And also from what we've seen so far, Nick Nick deserves to win the whole thing. He's clearly out and out the best investigator or the best candidate, even if he lies who, yeah. to Chief Bob. <laughs> I would lie to Chief Bob. However, even though I think Nick will win, I really want Mel to win. The way she delivered that news and the fact that she's like, I want to prove to everybody that I'm not just some dumb blonde dancer. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Let's hope Mel wins. As for the next investigator to leave, just make it Richard Sharrocks.
1: <laughs> I think it would probably be better off without him. Like, he means well, but I think he's he's taking it too serious as well, in the wrong way.
0: Now that I've said it would be Richard Sharrocks, so you watch him go and be a Christian and he'll stay in it for the next five episodes. <laughs> It'll win it!
1: will win it now, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you're still with us, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think, we're at PresentsJam on Twitter. Join us again next time as we spend some time in cold water, stake out someone's hiding place, and see whether Mel is prepared to take a piss in public.